Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. I don't know if my mic will pick that up. It will. It's a really good mic. Okay, let's pray. If not, I'll re-record yeah. <laughs> it and you can splice it in. <laughs> I'll splice it in, yeah. But I'm pretty sure it did. Pretty good. Because well at one point they say, Christine! Like that. And so, yeah, yeah. I did your it name. <laughs> it worked. I liked it. Yeah. I got it. How are you? I'm living and breathing. That's it. <laughs> today was a big day in the movie world, Mitha. It is. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021. Yes, yes it is. Um, a little thing called the Oscar nominations yeah. came out. <laughs> Hosted by Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Nick Jonas. Yep. Yeah. You know her nickname in Bollywood used to be Piggy Chops. I do know that because that's how I refer to her in all oh. of our text <laughs> messages. You do refer to her as Piggy Chops. That's yeah. true. Piggy Chops. So... What are your thoughts? I'm like, there's a lot of things that I'm excited and happy to see. Like, mm-hmm. um, the first Muslim to be nominated for yeah. an Oscar. That was really nice for an right? acting nod. For an o- acting Oscar. Um, the first Asian American. Also very nice. Very nice. The most women to be nominated in a category at a time. Which is for director. For director. Yeah. yeah, I should probably specify, but I'm yeah, not gonna. I, you keep on saying things and I keep on telling the audience like what we're actually referring to. I, I'm very excited about all yeah. of these things, but at the same time, I'm not like overtly, and I haven't watched everything yet. There's still a couple movies I need to finish. Mm-hmm. And like I'm a couple just, of major ones, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just still not like, this whole year seems very lackluster Lackluster. To me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I would describe it. So today, actually, I was working and it was a pretty slow day. And I decided, like, Oscar nominations came out. And I watched I watched the whole announcement from mm-hmm. Priyanka and, and Nick. And I was like, you know what I do want to do? I, I don't know if you do this, but you can watch Academy Awards speeches. Yes, YouTube. of course I do that. I watch Olivia <laughs> Coleman's, for instance, all so the good. time. Because yeah. it's one of my favorites. She's so off the cuff, endearing and funny. And the audience, like, loved her. Mm-hmm. But then I spent a good half of my morning just watching all of the Parasite wins. And all of the Parasite, <laughs> like... Their speeches and the like. That last year was such an exciting year. Yeah. It was such a like great year. And I think what transpired with Parasite winning was that like there was so much excitement in that room. It was like palpable. Right. And there was so much build up to it. Yeah. And like it wasn't when Parasite won Best Picture, it wasn't just that like it was the fact that A, it was an excellent film. It was like the front runner for the year. B, it was the first foreign film to ever win an Academy Award mm-hmm. for Best Picture. Then the Koreans were so nice and sincere. And then when they got up on stage and any time Parasite would win, it was like the auditorium was excited for them. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, Best Picture, clap, clap, clap. Like, uh-huh. it was like Green Book one and no one gave a crap because it was just such a terrible <laughs> choice. like, what? <laughs> yeah, why did this win? But you could tell people were like so excited to see it win and then it won and they were, Bong Joon-ho was like the nicest director in the world. He was so sincere. Everything about it was just so Just genuine wholesome. excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't broken down by, like, the corporateness of award season. No, it was so sincere. It was, was, like, the best movie that deserved to win 
one. Yes. Full stop, period. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I miss I miss that feeling and that anticipation. And like, yeah. at one point, it's like, is it going to be Parasite? Is it going to be 1917? Like, is yeah. That, yeah. And I and then I watched 1917. And I was like, no, it has to be Parasite. It has to be Parasite. Yeah. I saw 1917. And I was just like, this is nice. But this is not Parasite. I'm sorry. It's a snooze fest. 1917. <laughs> it was no, so it boring. I, I do quite like it. But I mean, it is it is not Parasite. It does not have the excitement of Parasite. I'm gonna. I might actually watch Parasite tonight because <laughs> <laughs> I'm really feeling it. But yeah, it just wasn't a very exciting thing. And I, at the end of the day, I think we all know that Nomadland is going to win. Do we? Sus- well, I think Nomadland is going to win, and people are suspecting that based on like. So for people who don't Oscar watch, because it's mm-hmm. like a thing, there's like a science to how Academy Awards are won, and you can predict it down to like. There's certain, like, predictors. Like, if you have won screenplay and editing, you're more likely to win an Academy Award. There's, like, a weird correlation between things. So people are predicting it'll either be Nomadland or based on what's been nominated, it actually could go to Promising Young Woman. I, uh, okay, I really like that movie. I do like Mm it. I don't love it. But it's not the best. I also just think it's only there because this was the 2020 like, if this wasn't, if the 2020 had played out normally, no pandemic, nothing happening in the world, but just, like, regular life, Promising Young Woman would not be on the ballot. I don't think it's typically Oscar-friendly. Like, that's not something that they the Academy would go for, or even most award shows. And originally, it was not supposed to come out in December. It was supposed to come out earlier in the year. And I think it would have been overshadowed by some of the other things that were planned out it did definitely i mean there definitely was a shift in the year based on like releases a lot of the big pictures didn't come out and even like a lot of a lot of summer movies didn't come out and then a lot of blockbusters from december didn't come out like west side story was supposed to come out last year and it didn't for instance yeah but i do wonder if like the zeitgeistiness of promising young woman would have carried it i don't think it would have i don't think i think that subject matter is too typically abstract provocative Word the words provocative for them. Yeah. Like I don't think that that's something that they would have gone for, especially when you watch the trailer of that movie and like the trailer says something different than the actual movie itself. The trailer says something different than the movie. That is my biggest gripe with Promising Young Woman. And like I don't know, I'm not in the Academy, so I don't know how that works. But I've just heard so many stories over the years of people who are in the Academy and who do get to vote and they don't actually watch any of the movies. They'll watch just the trailer. Yeah, or they'll watch one or two movies. Like, that's a big problem um, in the Academy that, like, you technically have to watch all of them, but there's no way to prove that you have. Yes. And so I think... I don't think this would be one that people would have watched, especially based on the timeline that it was originally supposed to be. I do really like it, though, and I'm excited for it, and I'm excited for Emerald Fennel, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, Well, I actually think Carrie Mulligan has the biggest shot here. Yes. And that I'm excited about because it is a really stellar performance. She is very good in it. I think it's going to be between her and Frances McDormand. Oh, no. They're saying between Andra Day. And really? Yeah. I haven't seen Billie Holiday yet. I haven't but... seen Billie Holiday either. The consensus is it's a great performance in a really boring film. Oh, okay. We'll see. We'll see. I was surprised to not see Jodie Foster in Supporting Actress. Well, that whole film, The Mauritanian, was, was completely nowhere. shut out. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it has some great reviews. So there was a couple of surprises. There was that one Best Director nominee for a foreign film that completely came out of the nowhere because Aaron Sorkin didn't get nominated for Trial of the Chicago 7. 
for directing the most Aaron Sorkin movie that there I ever know, was. just the most Aaron Sorkin movie. I do want to see another round, though. It seems like an interesting concept. Yeah, I do yeah. too. So I, I, I'm I, glad that a foreign film got in. It seemed to be a very diverse selection of nominations, which was nice. Yes. There's a lot of every nominee, every, sorry, category, especially, at least in the major categories, has like a person of, you know, a person of color, a woman. It's not just white men and everything. Yes. Including Best Actress. I was very excited to see um, Maria Bakalova. Yeah, I'm so happy. I really hope yeah. she wins. I have, she I'm hoping she's not to sit with Rudy so, Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, she commits so much to that performance. She does. She really, like, Borat, fine. It's it's his movie. It's his, it's Sasha Marin Cohen's, like, thing, shtick. But she just, like, she's in it to win it. And I honestly really think she deserves she really deserves it, too. It's a great performance. It is. Do you think Sasha Baron Cohen will win? No, I think it's meant to go, I think da- uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya? Is, Not is Lakeith? A, no. Lakeith, Lakeith will actually, get an Oscar one day, though. I can feel it. You think? I it, love Lakeith. Are, I haven't seen Judas. Have you seen Judas? Not yet. Um, I want to see Judas, but I hear it's a little bit of category fraud. Oh? Yeah, Explain what the this best category actor. fraud is. Oh, so <laughs> when... I know, but the, the listeners might know. Oh, that's yeah. okay, fair. Yeah. So category <laughs> fraud occurs when uh, p- actors are nominated in uh, a supporting category when they are actually the lead. Yes. Or vice versa. They're nominated in a lead category when they're actually a supporting. So if you think about, for instance, even Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs, Anthony Hopkins is really a supporting character in that performance. Or if you actually think about... Kate Winslet in The Reader. Yeah. She's probably your biggest one because there I forget she she is actually a, a very supporting character in it, but sometimes the supporting role is so elevated that it's easy to put them into a certain category. Mm-hmm. So people call that category fraud because really if you think about it that person should be in a, in another category. It happens with kids a lot. Kids get really pushed around. Great kids performances are delegated to supporting categories because it's easier to win in a supporting category than in a lead category like the whale rider girl she got a lead actress i thought it was supporting no she got a lead nomination because it was really just her in whale rider i never saw that she was the whale. i never saw the whale rider either but i was very i was like insanely jealous of her of like she gets to be like the youngest person ever nominated for best actress there was also that girl did you ever see beasts of the southern wild which is, I, I think, the first Netflix-produced movie with Idris Elba. Yes. I haven't so, seen it, but I know it. Yeah. So the girl in it, her name is uh, Kwavanzane Wallace. Yeah. But that she, she that was after Whale Rider. Yeah, it was. But she was yeah. younger. But no, but when Whale Rider came out, like when I was Oh, a she kid, was the youngest? I think at that time. The, well, oh. the, young, the youngest winner is, what's her name? Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. Yes. But I think that was for supporting. Supporting. And same with Anna Paquin. Supporting. Supporting, yeah. Anna Paquin won? Yeah, Best Supporting Actress. Okay. Oh, well, I was too young to know, so. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Oscar season, my favorite season. I know, it's my favorite yeah. too. Mita, you want to go on to some housekeeping? No, I want to keep talking about this. No. Well, listeners, thank you for holding on and listening to us each week, day by day. We do truly appreciate it. I'm going to keep it simple. Just follow us on Instagram. It's not that hard. I know you have it. It's movies to watch pod at Instagram. On Twitter, it's movies the number two watch pod. And then uh, for if you would love to email us, it's movies to watch pod at gmail.com. 
Yes. That's it. That's all I have. I don't want to bog you down. Because yeah. we have some things to talk about. We I'm sorry do. I made a noise. You did. Mitha <laughs> makes a lot of noises and I got to edit it out. And then I tell her you're making noises and she's like, no, I'm not. The, uh, there have been a couple times where I think there's a ghost in my room. Fair enough. Because I didn't make any noise. Speaking of ghosts. <gasps> well done. But kind of? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Not really, guys. Not really. <laughs> yes. This speaking- week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this week, um, we watched don't look now don't look don't look now um can you please tell me and the listeners why you chose to watch don't look now so can i ask you first have you ever heard of don't look now no (laughs) okay (laughs) so i had read again the same way i kind of heard about gaslight except don't look now i've known about for years and i've read it on a lot of like must-see horror must-see mystery lists it has a spectacular Metacritic score. It's like 96 or something. It has great pedigree. And it's just, it's everyone talks about it with such high um, appreciation. Uh, it has this very controversial sex scene that we'll talk about. There's just a lot of buzz around this movie. And I've been wanting to watch it for years. And I actually was about to watch it in the middle of the pandemic last year. Um, in, in the first year of the pandemic. Because now we're officially in year two. Um, <laughs> but... Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I tried to watch it and I just, the t- the timing, I was tired one day and it, it didn't work out and then it kind of moved and I was like, hey, I got to pick my last movie for season one. What am I picking? And I was like, hands down, I'm picking Don't Look Now. Every time we say the title, I think of the Dua Lipa song, which is not titled Don't Look Now and I don't no, know that. But- what is it though? I can't remember. Don't, don't start now. No? Something like that. No, it no, isn't. no. You have to end the episode with that song, by the way. I mean, maybe. Because those aren't the lyrics in the song. Don't start now. That's what it don't is. Don't start now. So don't don't yeah. start now. It's mm-hmm. not the same as don't look now. But basically the same. <laughs> One word. But anyways, yes. I think of Don't Start Now by Dua Lipa. Do you want to go into the IMDb description? Sure. Why not? Yes. Following the same format. <laughs> um. So, listeners, the IMDb description for Don't Look Now is as follows. A married couple grieving the recent death of their young daughter are in Venice when they encounter two elderly sisters, one of whom is psychic, and brings a warning from beyond. Yeah, that's basically the movie. There is some symbolism. There is some art. There are churches and uh, Italians and Donald Sutherland. And there's a sex scene in there, too, that I think we're going to have to discuss. Yes. I can't not laugh when I think about it. Why? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but yes, okay. I don't I don't want to go too much into it because I feel like our actual uh, thoughts are probably going to be more descriptive of what happened in this movie. But essentially that it is it. This married couple, we witnessed their daughter drowning in a pond outside of their home. Mm-hmm. And soon after, uh, do they say how soon after? They don't. They actually don't mention it at all. So after the death of their child, um, we find that the parents are living in Venice and their son is in boarding school. And while they're in Venice, the wife encounters a psychic who tells her that her husband is in danger and chaos ensues. And also going along, going around Venice at the time um, are mysterious deaths. And so there is a killer on the loose. A serial killer. A serial killer. And yeah, that's Don't Look Now. So Nadim, tell me, how did you feel about Don't Look Now? So Don't Look Now is not what I thought it was. Okay. Did you think it was the Dua Lipa song? 
No, I did not. <laughs> but it's hard, weird to say this, but I've, I don't feel like I've seen a movie that's been made like Don't Look Now, like that's been shot and edited in such a specific way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it looks a very specific way and the editing pattern is very unique as well. It all feels very intentional. Yes. Yeah. Very, very artful. Very, very intentional. And I will say one of the things I was most impressed with that happens rarely is I literally had no idea where this was going until the very, very end. Until it happens, I didn't know. I didn't know what this was accumulating to. Okay. And that was like, I was, I was, there was a point where I'm like, what is going on? Like, and I'm usually not a what is going on kind of person. I'm usually like, this is probably what's going to happen. Even in Parasite, where I didn't know, I was still trying to connect dots. And like, I connected some dots, but not all dots. But here I was legit like, hey, this is, I have no idea where this is going. And that is so rare to see in a movie. And it kept my interest throughout. And like, there are things that I'm kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. But overall, I was really impressed with the unpredictability of this. Mm -hmm. And the like, the twists and the turns, especially that happened in the second half. And like, this is a pretty spoiler heavy review. There's no real way to talk about this without like spoiling it all. So if you don't want to see this, please shut this off um, and come back to it after you've seen it. But uh, yeah, overall, I was uh, really surprised by it, is what I'll say. Okay. What do you? I, what I you? felt the same way because as I was watching it, everything, you're right, everything is very purposeful in it. And I know it's trying to tell me something and it's trying to tell me a message. I'm really glad that I've had quite a few days since I've watched this from where mm-hmm. our recording is because I will say my initial reactions, I was somewhat disappointed Like, I felt like this was time to tell me something and show me something, but I wasn't quite grasping it. And I felt stupid watching it because some of it is a little artful. And I I was trying to dig deep and see, like, well, what does that mean? And what's this? Uh And what are all these jump cuts? Like, what is going on here? And now, like, a few days afterwards, I do have, like, what I think is probably the thesis for it, which I'll share with you in a bit. (laughs) But... I I was disappointed at first. Days after, though, it's still resonating with me and staying with me. And I've had it, like, come up in come, some of my dreams. <laughs> oh, that's impressive. And a little scary. I didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little scared to go to sleep. No, I don't. I'm not scared. I'm not. I don't scare easily. I'm quite tough. Um, <laughs> but no, but it's the first time you've said that, 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 that it's stayed with you to the point that it's shown up in dreams. I think it's just Donald Sutherland. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I've had some, like, um, specifically that opening scene of the child drowning that's drowning. shown yeah. in my dreams, which is like oh, a little God. weird. Or just like the, her little red raincoat, just like yeah. in the pond that's appeared. And I'm like, what? What's going on here? But then it'll jump cut to like me dancing in a hallway or something. It's weird. I, I yeah, I write down all my dreams, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, kind of disappointed at first because I just was left feeling underwhelmed and feeling like doubting myself as a viewer. Like I Mm -hmm. wasn't able to sort of detect what I was watching and what this all meant. But now it's been a few days and, and I've settled with it a bit more and it stayed with me. Yeah, I can totally see how that's like how you feel too. It's, it's a hard movie to kind of talk about, I find, because I will say it takes a while to get where it's going. Yeah. It's a little on the slow side, and it definitely takes a good hour. I feel for me the turning point was when he's on the boat and she's going to 
uh, when he's on the when boat, he and he's meant, when he sees her on the boat, and you're like, oh, this is. But then when he calls England and he and the teacher's like, oh, here's your wife. I was honestly, I literally was just like, wait, clones. That's what I. What's happening? What's <laughs> yeah. happening? I was completely like, but she's here. We saw her. How can she be there? What's going on? Like I was, I was instantly like. All the slow buildup and the slow burn that was happening in that one moment, I was just like, you have sucked me completely back into this film. Because that's, that yeah. Was, it was like a legit twist to at be like, some, what's going on now? At some point, I was just like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Like, I'm not, I'm not into yeah. this. But then you have a moment like that where you're like, huh? <laughs> what's going yeah. on there? No, definitely like getting sucked in and out of it was something that I was feeling throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I am curious what you think this is about though and what the message of this movie is i think ironically this is actually also about grief yes okay i think grief is i think very differently than hereditary dealt with grief yes but (laughs) or midsummer or midsummer dealt with grief wow horror movies really like to deal with grief yeah which i find very interesting well like i think this is particular this is the statement that i feel like goes with this movie is that Grief will kill you if you don't acknowledge it. If you don't embrace it and absorb it and yeah. like go go through the motions, it will kill you. I think that's a fair assumption. And like yeah. as you say that, I'm like, yeah, because if you think about it, his wife, uh, Laura, she's accepted it and she's kind of she kind of goes through this thing where she believes the clairvoyant and she thinks, oh, Christine's right here with us. And he's kind of denying that that exists. Yes. But she says, well, I've made peace with it. Like, she's helped me kind of come to a place where I'm okay with her death. And they, it's very interesting because there's some really interesting things about this movie. Like, they talk about her dying so casually. They really do. And that's why I'm, like, I thought I missed it, but you didn't see either. Like, how no. much time is passing? And, like, the, the one thing that kept, like, was glaring to me is, like, your child just died because they drowned. And you moved to the city that is known to be... Surrounded by water. Surrounded by water. They moved to Venice, guys. It's called yeah. the Sinking City. And, yeah. But their child just I mean, drowned. Like, I don't... There's meant to be, I think, a little bit of, a, like, symbolism in, like, you're surrounded by the thing you probably fear the most. The now most. And, you know, all but of that. But then you've also abandoned your, your other, other child. child. Yeah. Like, what... And... Uh, well, I did read some theories that people think that the daughter was murdered by her brother and they know. And so that's why they've like abandoned the child. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't read that. That's an interesting I theory. didn't like it. Yeah, it's <laughs> I didn't a little like dark. It's a little too dark for me. But the other thing that I think was kind of distracting for me was how 70s this movie is. Or how... <laughs> Yeah, it's very 70s. Julie Christie is beautiful. Gorgeous. Like, gorgeous. And Donald Sutherland looks like Donald Sutherland. But, like, younger. But, like, Like still Donald. Like, like, you know it's Donald Sutherland. Do you know how when, like, people age, they're, like, themselves, but, like, an older version. And, like, sometimes things things do shift in, like, a person's face. Yeah. Donald Sutherland looks like (laughs) Donald Sutherland from The Hunger Games with blonde hair. That's it. Nothing else has changed. <laughs> yeah. It's just like he is himself. Everything about his face is exactly Donald Sutherland. His voice is still the same too. Nothing has like, yeah. yeah. It's it, yeah. It's almost distracting. But so 70s. So 70s. So very 70s. 70s. And like I was kind of distracted by a lot of that as well and I think that's what was pulling me out of it mm-hmm. is how much of the time it was because what year was this? Like 72? Oh, I don't even remember. 73. Okay. And what year was The Exorcist? 
74, 75. Yeah. So I kept thinking about The Exorcist as I was watching this. And like that too is a horror film. But when I was, when we watched that. 73, sorry. So Exorcist is the same year? Same year. Okay. And so um, listeners, if you haven't heard, we have an episode where we watched The Exorcist. So go back. It was in October. I think it was like. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Episode 28 is The Exorcist. So go listen to that if you want. But when we watched that, at no point was I like, oh, this is really 70s. Like everything that was being shown, you watch today and you feel like it would be, it could be made today if you really Mm -hmm. wanted it to be. And it didn't feel like costumey or like a period piece. But this, a lot of the detracting factors of it for me was like costume itself, kind of the colors that were used the tone there it was all very 1970s and very distracting you didn't find that at all i did find it was very 70s but that didn't like distract me from it i also i'm sorry i'm just gonna look up i feel like this is might be is this a british movie nicholas rogue that's his name right it is but i want to know united kingdom so it is british okay so there is a level of like budgetary constraint and like like it, it is a completely different aesthetic, essentially. Yeah. Um. So that might explain why The Exorcist looks one way and this looks one way because The Exorcist had Warner Brothers money. That's fair. So there's that. Yeah. Let's talk about that sex scene though. <laughs> I don't. I. <laughs> it's very thorough. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to describe it. So here's one thing I noticed while watching this. I was really fascinated by the nudity in this film because you don't really see nudity in such a casual way. Like nudity in movies is always always very sexualized and it's always very like, oh, boobs. Yeah, it's like, oh, revealing her as she takes off her bra. Yeah, and even for men, it's very like, there is a level of like leeriness associated with it. This is just two people like naked after like getting out of the shower and like talking about their weight. And like, this is what... It's a very realistic portrayal of what two people who are married and have been married for so long, what they must, must act like with each other. Mm-hmm. And as a result, that sex scene, while, while thorough, if that's how you want to describe <laughs> it, is also, I think it's, do you think it was necessary, I guess? No, I don't. And that was my other point to it. I was like, I, why is this in here? So why do you think it's there? I don't know. And that was part <laughs> of what made me feel really stupid. It's like, what, like, are you trying to show that, like, they have overcome sort of the emotion of losing a child? Are you showing that there's still love between the two? Because, like, that's a factor that happens a lot with married people when they lose a child is that they lose their love with one another or they just aren't able to grieve in, like, the same way. But I didn't, I didn't see that portrayed in any other parts of the movie. And so I just am so confused as to why it's there. Nadim, enlighten me. <laughs> so don't you think, so if you contrast Hereditary with this movie, mm-hmm. if you were to take out scenes like after their daughter dies, yeah, and you take out scenes, interactions between the husband and the wife in there, you mm-hmm. can tell something's gone wrong, right? Like you can tell there's like, there, there's tension, there's something brewing between the two of them. You might not know exactly what caused it, but you can kind of tell that there's like, there's something going on. Not entirely, though. Like, if you started the movie when they're in Venice and they're eat- having that lunch. No, sorry. I mean in Hereditary. You can oh, tell in Hereditary. Something- yes. yes, yes, you can. Sorry. I thought you were talking about Don't Look Now. No. So no. my po- whole point is that in Don't Look Now, you can't. 
that if you start yeah. the whole movie after the fact, mm-hmm. you actually can't tell whether she died or not. No, you can't, which I kind of think is a, a problem with it, though. So there, what uh, one thing I read was that the way the movie ends is that what he actually sees is mm-hmm. a premonition. What he sees when, like... So, that, sorry, sorry, not what he sees, but what we see about her drowning, that whole sequence is a premonition. And then we see her taking her out of the water, and that... Okay. That that oh. didn't happen. Wait, what? She died, she drowned, but that's not how that whole thing transpired. I'm and that, that Yeah. <laughs> so the whole... The, so what I read, again, is that she... So she died, like, all of that happened in that way... But we're seeing a vision of his that is essentially going to link to his future demise. Gotcha. Okay. So, so to, the... spo- to um, spoiler the movie for you, yeah. we find out that Donald Sutherland's character also has psychic abilities and has what we believe are premonitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they start off the movie, he and his wife are inside their home and they're just sort of like discussing his work and whatnot. And his kids are outside playing and his daughter is playing out by this pond and she's playing with her toys and the brother is just sort of like on his bike and like fixing his bike. What kid knows how to fix their bike, by the way? Just putting that out there. British um, kids. <laughs> British kids. Oh, um. <laughs> But yes, the brother is fixing his bike and the parents are inside the house. And then we see Donald Sutherland. What does he spill onto the photo? Is, it's his own blood, right? Oh, no, it's water. Well, it's water that he spills, but it turns into blood. Blood. Oh, ooh. Yes. <laughs> yes. We see him spill some water and he kind of has this moment where he knows something is wrong. And so he runs outside and that's when he sees his daughter laying in the pond having drowned. And so what you're saying is that's his premonition, but yeah. that's not how it actually happened? Yeah. That, but like, she did drown? She did drown. Okay. She did drown in a pond, for instance. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, the references to her death are actually few and far between. She's dead. We know that. If we think about this movie, if we forget about the beginning, the beginning sequence where she drowns in the water and all of that, mm-hmm. and we actually only think about the movie starting from when they're in Venice going forward, what do we know about this couple? We know they had a child that died. Her name is Christine. Yeah. And we know, we actually don't know that she drowned, right? Because the only conversation, there's one offhand comment that Laura makes that, like, you let them play by the water. Yeah. There's no other comment about her actually drowning. There's no reference to the fact that the son was actually there. That's true. There's so many things. Yeah. And, like, there's little things about it that, like, you know something happened and you know they had a child that died, but is that actually how it happened? Interesting. Huh. Because then what... we as viewers see later in the movie is when he sees his wife, you know, on the boat with those two mm-hmm. women, that's a premonition of, of something the to come of the future. Of his, fu- of his funeral. That's what he's seeing. Yes. And now I'm starting to think back to other parts of the movie. Is there anything else that could have been a premonition? Well, him seeing the... Because in the photograph, in, in the slide that he's checking in that first sequence, mm-hmm. there's someone wearing a red coat in it. Yes. Right? The troll. No. The tr- well, it, it really is kind of meant to be a troll. But, like, there's someone in a red coat in that in slide that where the water drops and it turns into blood. Like, there's... It's very... It's meant to be very cyclical. And I was just thinking that, like... Very few movies that, like, when you watch the end, suddenly at the end, it all clicks together. 
and that's one of the things I really liked about this movie that like mm-hmm. you I, I honestly didn't know where this was going up until the point that he gets killed. And and it clicked for you? Not like right away, honestly. Like I kinda had to let it sit to be like, I think this is what this movie is saying. It wasn't obvious to me. Okay. I don't know if it was obvious to you. No, it wasn't. And what I also was distracted by, so in the end of this movie, spoiler alert, um, he Donald Sutherland's character is murdered by What's like the appropriate term for a little person, a little person. Well, she's meant to be like a disfigured older lady, little person. Yes. Is murdered by a little person who we are then to believe is the serial killer that has been Mm -hmm. going around Italy or Venice um, and killing and is murdered in such a, it's not out of nowhere because you know, something bad is going to happen, but it's just so like, it was kind of anticlimactic for me. I was like, wait, what? Like, that was the first, the serial killer that's been mm-hmm. going around? Like, I kind of was let down in a way. I thought maybe he would, like, discover this, like, mysterious thing. Or I thought it was going to be completely unrelated to the other murders that were happening, which also would have been a letdown. But I just, it, I don't understand why it was a little person. Like, why does that play into it? And because are they the trying to say, because, like, daughter. his daughter is little? But, like... Yeah. Huh? And like, I just, I don't, it's not all piecing together to me, for me. I think the reason it's meant to be a little person is because that's, it's the the red coat that he sees. She's, yeah. The little person, the little woman, is a, she's wearing a red coat when she does these murders. Mm-hmm. And that's meant to tie back to the fact that his daughter, was during this premonition, or when she died, or whatever it was, was wearing a coat. Which is why I believe, personally, that I think she was... That was all a premonition. He was seeing things. Uh, okay. Yeah. So he saw his own death then. Well, he's yeah, he saw his yeah. own death. Like there, there are things about. There's just a lot of things about the sequence. Like it's raining, it's wet. There's, there's like that's why they're in Venice because they're surrounded by water. Like there's, there's overlaps of like dreams and premonition and reality. And I yeah. think you have to watch it a couple of times to like really take it in. There's a lot in this. Have you ever seen 12 Monkeys? Yes, I like 12 Monkeys. I like 12 Monkeys. And those movies, it's it's kind of a very similar idea that like these movies that are... Telling you like, the future, but you're like yeah, not quite but there you're, yet. Yeah, yeah, you're in a weird like loop of like time. And I think mm-hmm. it's one of those that I actually think if you sit down and watch this a second time, yeah. you'll understand it so much better. Did you watch it twice? I didn't know. Oh, okay. How did you I just, watch it? I personally just think, sorry, when? How? Did you rent it or you had I rented it, it on YouTube. You rent, okay. No, I just rented it on YouTube. But yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I don't know. I was kind of underwhelmed. I thought yeah. I was like in for a real psychological thriller. I know. But it's hard to top Gaslight. It really is hard to top Gaslight. <laughs> I like Gaslight a lot. I Listen to like our Gaslight. episode of Gaslight. It's the one right before this. Yeah. No, it's no, not. Two it's two this. before this. Sorry. Two before this. Oops. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly would just say that it's a very, it's it's an interesting movie and it's kind of hard to talk about. Like, I don't, there's so much to say and so much that you can articulate, but it's really hard to, like, to verbalize d- it. To verbalize, to, yeah, because there's yeah. a lot happening there. Yeah. And, like, there, there are thoughts that I am just, maybe I'm, my brain is just not adept enough to fully form <laughs> other thoughts. No. But like to what? go back to my point of, like, grief killing him, the mm-hmm. major theme that I saw in this is that, yes, his wife is is also grieving the same loss, um, but is able to come to terms with it and is able to understand that their daughter has passed, but she might live on in other places or around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she lives in this movie. But Donald Sutherland's character 
is having a really hard time with it. And there's a lot of instances where he's just saying to her, like, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. Mm. And it's almost like he can't live with the idea that she's no longer with them mm-hmm. and that it is so harsh. It's such a harsh reality for him to come to terms with. Um, and as someone who is ex- who experiences grief on a daily basis, that's not healthy. You have to be able to, to go through the motions and, and you have to come to some kind of terms with things. And like every day it's, it's different, but, and it's a, it's a wave of emotions, a constant mm-hmm. wave. But I think his inability to kind of see the other side of it, to see his daughter maybe coming through the other side, like his mm-hmm. wife does, is what does lead to his demise because he's in this constant search of all the premonitions that he's seeing, which is his own death. And in the end, he gets stabbed. What is what is she even holding? I think it's, it's like, like, a, a, like a razor, like a straight a edge razor, razor. A straight edge razor to the neck. Mm-hmm. It's just like a really odd scene. And I think part of the appeal is that like, that's it's meant to be odd. Yeah. Like, I think it's just supposed to be a little outrage. I think part of it is also... Oh, first of all, did you know that the this is based on a book? Oh, yes. But but the same person that wrote Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. yeah. Same woman who wrote Rebecca. Yes. Rebecca That's... is also a little weird. I really... I liked original Rebecca. Original don't, Rebecca is so good. Don't watch the Netflix reboot with Army Hammer and Lily Collins. Please. No, and thank don't. you. Lily James. Watch the... Sorry, Lily James. Watch the uh, Alfred Hitchcock version. Yes, that one. very good. Also, the Army Hammer one that is on Netflix currently, I started that movie at the end of 2020, and I only finished it this week. I like I took a big gap, because that's how bad it is. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Watch the Alfred Hitchcock version. It's very good. Very good. Any sequel, prequel ideas? I kind of want to know more about the Donald Sutherland character. Yeah. And if he's always had premonitions, was this mm-hmm. a new thing? I want to know about, like, where he grew up. Because, like, what if there was other deaths in his life that he had never came to terms mm. with? Right? That's there. And then I want to know what happens to their son and his wife, essentially. So afterwards, yeah. like, how do they deal with this? And, like, is there more to that story there? Or actually, you know what? As I'm saying it, I want to know more about the psychic woman that predicted that donald sutherland would be in trouble oh yeah she has an interesting life yeah what's her name in it though heather 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 and then we can call it heather but not (laughs) to be confused with heathers Heathers. which is a great movie excellent it's the original mean girls (sighs) so good (laughs) but yeah Yeah. that's this is a really lackluster everything's lackluster these days (laughs) is it we had a really riveting conversation with Yejavani Adivani. And yes, no, like, I meant like the Oscars. And oh, like I know. Yeah. I'm like upset with Megan and Harry. Maybe it's something in the water. You know, it's yeah. the end of Pisces season. So <laughs> <laughs> the motions, you know, but it's entering Aries, which is your time to shine, my friend. It is. It's true. I'm gonna... Yeah. Join us next week for our horoscope podcast. <laughs> I feel like you just have different <laughs> ideas for like one episode of a podcast. You don't really have a full podcast idea. It's just maybe I've that's got one my podcast. Every podcast things. episode is a different podcast. <laughs> God, I think people would hate that. Let us know at movies to watch pod <laughs> at gmail.com. Would you listen to Meet This Variety Podcast Hour? Do you have anything else to say? Nope. <laughs> my ma- my biggest note here, I wrote it in all caps too. This kid knows how to check his how to check his bicycle for glass. And I was like, what kid knows how to do that?
I think a lot of them do meet that. I, I didn't know how bikes, to do that. But I think if you're riding bicycles regularly, you just you just know. You, he knew to flip it over and to like check the tire treads. This kid's like six. No, he's not six. He's like he looks. Eight. I can't tell children's ages. I know it's hard. <laughs> They're so little. So let's launch into our ratings. <laughs> yeah, Nadim, what's your rating? I liked this. I was a little. I think slightly underwhelmed i think i wanted to like this more and i kind of based on the reviews and based on what i had read i did expect it to be a little bit more arresting i did find it takes a while to get into this movie Mm -hmm. that said having watched the whole thing i do think this is a very clear example of you have to watch this a couple of times to i think experience it I don't think you're going to get, I think if you watch this a second time, I think you're going to really get a better understanding because now the movie is meant to be cyclical and you haven't watched the cycle. Do you know Mm, what I mean? Like, you've gone from start to finish and now you have to go back to the start and get back to the end. And I think what's going to happen is, A, the whole movie will make more sense. And those things, and I think the things that seem unnecessary in the first half, the sex scene, for instance, their relationship, the slow build, all of that will suddenly take on a new meaning. Because I think if you understand, I think if you watch it, and I, I personally think, and I will watch this again, I think if you watch it from the end to the beginning and watch the first scene as a premonition and not the reality, and essentially take that the start in time is actually when they're in Venice, yeah, you'll suddenly see the movie differently. I have a question for you then. Okay. Is it a good movie if you have to watch it multiple times to understand what they're trying to say i think i'm trying to i'm trying to i know what i want to say i'm just trying to figure out how to articulate articulate it it, yeah yeah i think yes but you have to be able to justify that like i think a movie that has to be watched twice to understand it and appreciate it can still be a good movie should it be able to be watched once not necessarily so to say like to justify it, this is where, and I'll go into my rating. Yeah. I don't think this movie justifies the second viewing because okay. I wasn't taken away by anything mm-hmm. where I was just like, ooh, I need to watch this yeah. again. I kind of watched it and was underwhelmed and I'm a bit confused as to why it has such a high score on Metacritic. Mm-hmm. Maybe those people have seen it multiple times, but there was nothing in it where I was like, yes, like I would like to watch that scene again or I would like to understand these emotions a little bit more i did i wasn't buying on to the story being told and i wasn't buying on enough for me to kind of dig in deeper and have that second or that third or fourth viewing or Mm. show this to someone and be like hey like do you want to talk about abstract concepts we should totally watch this movie (laughs) and as i'm saying this i'm thinking like i would do that for suspiria 2018 I would say, let's watch this. Mm-hmm. I love that, like, your opinion of Suspiria has slowly changed from, mm-hmm. like, when we watched it to, like, the end of this, because you've referenced it a couple of times. A couple of times now, yeah. But, like, that's something, like, I think the acting in that is solid. I think the dance is so, it's so good in that. And, like, there's there's more meat. Because you think Dakota Johnson is an actress when she's just a waste No, it's space. Tilda Swinton playing two different entirely people. Three. Three. Three, three different yeah. people. <laughs> That really, like, I think that's amazing to watch. And I would say, like, that warrants me watching it a second, third, fourth, fifth time. But this, I there's nothing in there that I was like, yeah, I want to see Donald Sutherland again. <laughs> or I want I want to know this movie in my head. 
Mm-hmm. And it got into my head. <laughs> like, I subconsciously while I was sleeping. Yeah, so what does that in. say about it, Mita? The fact that, like, it seeped in. That it resonates, but it wasn't, like, I, you know when you have, like, even though it's bad stuff, you have pleasant feelings towards something. Like, you know how I love murder mysteries and I, mm-hmm. like, find that fascinating? And it, it's bad. It's negative stuff. But I get, I don't want to say pleasure because that's, like, a bad way of putting it. But yeah. It it does bring but me I some comfort. But I do understand. Yeah, there's yes. some. Yes, I I enjoy that stuff because I like mysteries. I like solving yeah. them. I like those things. This has really like negative feelings for me. Just like I didn't have any enjoyment out of it, and so like I don't want to revisit that. I don't want to like even That's though fair. it's resonated and stayed in my subconscious. I don't want it to be there. I kind of need to kick it out. So tonight I'm gonna watch a Disney movie. <laughs> okay. I will definitely watch this again. I don't know. Not like soon. Yeah. We have a, we have a whole season of movies to watch. Well, we but still have I one will, more for, for the season. But I will definitely watch this again. I honestly did. I, I, I think it. I do think it warrants another viewing, especially because I think it has. I think it's a very interesting way of, of storytelling. I think the mood is super interesting in this. I think what it does again with how it's shot and how it's edited is quite impressive. And I think... We owe a lot to movies, especially horror movies and, you know, mystery movies in how this kind of presents information. Mm-hmm. So honestly, for all of that, I will be giving this three and a half. Three and a half. I feel like I've explained myself. Do I need to go yeah. over again? No, yeah. we got it. <laughs> I can just do my reading. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did really you think, didn't like it. That, I didn't love it. I wasn't like... You know, I really did like Hereditary. I'm trying to see what did I give Hereditary. Do you, you remember? changed your rating of Hereditary in between. I gave it a four. Yeah. I really liked Hereditary. I liked what it was saying. I think this is more abstract in a lot of ways than Hereditary mm-hmm. was. And maybe I'm just not there as a viewer to be able to kind of understand those concepts and what's being presented to me. But I also, as a viewer, like I, I want to be able to watch your movie over and over again i I, like Mm -hmm. i would like to watch hereditary again now every halloween like i think that would be um a fun thing to do but i'm not i'm not going to do that with don't look now because i feel almost like my time was wasted in a way really just like i i was not enthralled with it i wasn't taken away by anything i mean like julie christie is beautiful to look at but just nothing was like really grabbing me yeah yeah. I can tell when you don't like a movie because you don't have much to say about it. Yeah. That tends to happen. Yeah. But like sometimes I don't like things and I have a lot of stuff to say about That's that. That's true too. That happens. Yeah. Sometimes. I don't know. You can. Yeah. I also, I think you knew I didn't like this one because I couldn't come up with any quotes. Yeah. I knew yeah. it. And that's how I that's can like tell. When you don't indicator. like it, that's a big tell for you. Yeah. There are some movies where uh, I like the age of Vani Hedivani. But I couldn't find any quotes yeah. because of the language. Well, that's the language, the translation didn't <laughs> yeah. work well. So yeah. that makes a difference. Yeah. But no, yeah, just not was, my vibe. Uh, that's fair. I get it. Yeah. That was my last movie, Tomita. Oh, you disappointed me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. But yeah. yeah, that was my last movie for season one. That was my 25th movie for season one. I have movies to watch before the end of the world. What a ride. What a ride. But there's still one more. <laughs> We're getting into the last episode of season one. Yes. How crazy is that? Crazy. 
Shall we do a quick Kevin Bacon, though? We. Okay. Okay. I'm challenging you first. You challenge me, yes. Okay, Nadim. Either A, B, or C. A. A. Your challenge, should you choose to accept, is to connect one Mr. Donald Sutherland to Kevin Bacon. And your timer starts now. Donald Sutherland was in The Hunger Games with Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence was in X-Men First Class with KB. Very good. Eight seconds. (laughs) (laughs) There's an easier way, though. There's a bunch of them. He's been in something with Kevin Bacon, yeah. Yeah, I I, I think he's been in a few with Kevin Bacon. But one's sticking out in my head. Which one? Uh, JFK. Oh, okay. I have not seen JFK. And you tell me I don't need to see it. But it comes up so much in this game. Well, yeah, it's because it has Kevin Bacon. And there's a lot of people in it. A lot of people. And it's like a 500-hour movie, so. (laughs) Okay, Mitha. We? I think you know where I'm going with this. I think uh, so, too. Your task is to connect one Kevin Bacon to Ms. Julie Christie. And your timer starts now. Julie Christie Mm -hmm. is in Troy Mm -hmm. with Mr. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Who's in Sleepers with Kevin Bacon. There you go. 13 seconds. Hooray. Hurrah. That was was probably the quickest Kevin Bacon we've done. We've ever done. I think we're at the end of our rope here. (laughs) I know. Mita, we have to change the game. Okay. Actually, listeners, please let us know what kind of game you would like us to play. For season two. For season two. Do you Mm -hmm. like Kevin Bacon? Do you want us to continue it? Yeah. To be honest, I think I've won all the Kevin Bacon. No, you like, literally lost now. So I mean, but I think I've won most of them. Yeah, most of them. But yeah, not all of them. Most of the Kevin Bacon's I've most. won. Most. <laughs> most. But so then, overall, I am the winner of the Kevin Bacon game. We're I'm usually not this competitive. Like, I yeah, don't I don't know, know why. What? Where? I'm usually like the one who's like, can't we all be friends? <laughs> What did you do to me? (laughs) Turned you into competitive. Rude. But Mita, what are we watching for our very last movie? We are watching a movie that is only one hour and ten minutes. I like how that is the (laughs) defining quality. We are watching Stanley Kubrick's Fear and Desire. Excellent. Yes. It's his very first film. His first film. And it is going to be our very last film. Yeah, we'll go into why I chose it as our last film. But yeah. So next week, on top of discussing Fear and Desire, we're also going to give you a rundown for how season two is going to work. And then the special episode we have in between season one and season two. Yeah, so, super exciting. Lo- it's a lot, actually, that we're going to discuss next week. I'm looking forward to our season finale of season one. Oh, I know. Finale. But yes, that is my last film. Uh, and I am going to say the quote this time, Mita. Yes, go for it, Nadine. <clears throat> I imagine he makes God feel less than immaculate. Oh, I like it. I like that. I like that line. Yeah, it's a good one. It's solid. But yes, thank you so much for listening, <laughs> friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review. And we will see you next week for the season finale of Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Have a lovely week. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't show up.